Hey there, welcome to Heavy Content, the podcast where I watch everything with a fat person in it and tell you just how much money you're going to be spending on therapy as an adult. I'm Sam, your host and your fat best friend, and we are finally here for episode four. (sighs) Now, I've never ran a marathon, nor do I want to, but putting out episode four has felt like a ding, ding, damn marathon. Like, I don't know what I've did in a past life. Like, I don't know if I personally offended Steve Jobs or his ancestors, but last night when I was trying to record this episode so it would be out on time, i.e. this morning, October 17th, Wednesday at 8 a.m., um, it just wasn't working. My computer was like, hey, bitch, guess what? Your USB ports are down. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. So I Googled it, which brought me to Reddit. And Reddit was basically just like Tiffany's Fedora being like Malady, and it didn't work. So I did what any person would do. I uh, turned my laptop off and let it sit for 24 hours and turned it back on today and everything seems to be working. So uh, yeah, let's uh, hope it lasts for the rest of this episode. Um, God willing, but here we are, episode four problematic faves. Um, I'm super excited for this episode because I get to just talk to you and it is just going to be me for the next 40 minutes. Um, I get to talk to you about some of my problematic faves. And another super cool thing I'm excited to introduce is a new segment called A Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare. So if you have been around me for more than 10 minutes, you know that I am dedicated dedicated to a 10-step skincare routine, morning and night. And I am a complete skincare fanatic. I buy a lot of products. I test a lot of products. I read reviews. I like live at Sephora trying to get samples. And this is like a huge, huge, huge passion of mine. So I took to Instagram and I did a little poll and I was like, hey, who would be interested in me taking a little bit out of every episode to review some skincare and makeup brands? And everybody basically said, yeah, we want to hear that, except for one person. You know who you are. Um, so if you're that one person, you can just like mute me at the end. I don't know. Or you can just bear with it. Maybe you'll learn something new. Maybe you'll learn what lactic acid is for your face. Maybe you'll invest in a low percentage retinol. We'll find out, won't we? So I'm really excited this episode. I'm going to talk to you about two of my problematic but favorite characters from a couple TV shows. I'm going to talk to you about skincare. Of course, we're going to do our check-in with Rebel Wilson. Like, I know her personally. And we're going to do our diet tip of the day. So sit back, relax, and let's get to it. All right, so what is a problematic fave? Well, according to academically reviewed and scientifically proven source Urban Dictionary, a problematic fave is a favorite person, usually a character, who has problematic views and opinions. For example, Dean Winchester is my problematic fave. I love him, but he's so sexist. Now, if that doesn't sound like your ex-boyfriend, I don't know what does. 
But uh, that was written by Merger, February 6, 2015. Um, you could probably guess it was from 2015 by the Supernatural reference. Although, personally, I feel like 2015 is a little late for a Supernatural reference. Um, but I'm going to stop talking about Supernatural now because I don't want to give it any space on my podcast and out myself as someone who used to watch Supernatural, even though I just did. Wow, I really hope my friends don't stop talking to me now. Anyway, so we're going to talk about problematic faves. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about two of my favorite problematic faves that I love to love and love to hate. And if you know me, you can probably guess what those problematic faves are. Or if you've been following the social meds, which is heavy content cast on Instagram or heavy podcast on Twitter, just a little plug right there for you. Um, you have maybe figured out that today we're going to be talking about Suki St. James from Gilmore Girls and Mindy Lahiri from The Mindy Project. I love both these shows. I love both these characters. And I can fully be accountable to how bloody problematic they are. Anyway, before we get into talking about my first problematic fave, Mindy Lahiri, we're going to do a little check-in. Let's see uh, how Rebel Wilson's doing these days. Now, if you're new around here, you're probably confused as to why we have an entire segment dedicated to Rebel Wilson. Well, uh, Rebel Wilson is another one of my problematic faves. I love to love her and love to lovingly make fun of her Instagram. Um, she's queen of heavy content and just an all around interesting person, I personally think. Um, but in this segment, I go through Rebel Sochmeads, mainly her Insta, and, uh, love to talk about a couple things that were happening that she's been doing, what's been going on in Rebel's life. Uh, if you remember from last episode, she made this announcement on the gram saying that she was going to be taking a little social media break. And I was like, no, what am I going to do? Um, but girl didn't last very long and she's right back at it. Deleted the announcement. I highly recommend you follow her on Insta. It's just Rebel Wilson. She has a blue verify check mark. Also, hello, Instagram. I would love my blue verify check mark. Also, hi, Twitter. Can I have a verify check mark now? I have been on Twitter for a long time. Give me my check mark. I can't even apply. Um, I know this is a very specific problem wanting to be verified on Twitter and you can at me and make fun of me later. Anyway, back to Rebel. Enough about me. Uh, she has two photos I want to talk about. One is taken from October 7th and the caption is Club Polo with an X and it's Rebel um, with a bunch of good looking men. There's like a series of photos. So there's Rebel with some good looking men. Swipe. There's Rebel with another man. Swipe. There's Rebel with more men. Rebel with a woman in a funny hat. Rebel with more men. Um, I think... I think she's at a polo match or she's at a Ralph Lauren party or both. I literally don't know what's happening here, but she looks like she's living her best damn life. Like she looks so happy in this like weird polka dot frilly dress that she's rocking. Um, the neck piece has like some sort of tie that kind of looks like a lanyard. 
Um, but she's doing it. She's living her life. And this photo series is really something to behold. Um, if you do take a look and you're one of Rebel's 5.3 million followers, you're part of the community, which is probably a lot of Russian bots. Um, maybe I'm also a Russian bot. You don't know if I'm AI or not. Anyway, if you look at this photo, can you please tell me if this is an actual polo match? And then can you tell me why polo matches still happen? Um, who's watching polo besides Rebel Mills? Rebel Wilson. Rebel Milson um, is also my stage name. If you ever want to see me do stand-up, that's a joke. That's a really bad joke. That's a joke that Rebel Milson would tell. <sighs> anyway, the next photo I want to talk about is just like this collage of her in a shirt that says Rebel, which I love, love, love that she wears shirts that have her name on it. I think it is the funniest thing ever um but this like photo collage of nine photos of her um doing various poses and the caption says from humble beginnings two years ago my clothing line at rebel wilson x angels is going gangbusters whatever that means Aussies, you'll see it available at David Jones and Meyer in the new year. In America, you can get it at all great department stores like Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, Dillard's, and cool online companies. Also, okay, side note. Do you guys remember the episode of Friends where Rachel, like, wants to bone her, like, hot neighbor, but then her hot neighbor's, like, not that interested, and he's like, hey, meet my friend, and the friend's, like, this horrible guy and she's like, I work at Bloomingdale's or whatever. And he's like, my mom used to call Bloomingdale's Bloomies. Anyway, I think about that episode literally every other day and start laughing. Anyway, so her clothing line is available at Bloomies. It's available available at Dillard's, blah, 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 blah. In Canada, and I can't forget my Canadian, she said, it's available at Additionnel and, and Hudson's Bay. Um... We need to talk about Rebel Wilson's clothing line. We talked about it a little bit last episode, but we really, really need to talk about it. I don't think I can nail it home. Ooh, those trousers are nice. Mm, maybe I'm lying. Um, but we need to just, like, talk about clothes made for fat women. Like, we talked about it last episode, but I think I, like, really need to nail it home for you. Because, like, if you're a straight-sized person or a person that doesn't wear plus-size clothing... You, like, don't get the struggle. It is such a struggle to find nice clothes as a plus-size person. Everything is just, like, spandex and rayon and polyester and jersey. And, like, I just want some good-feeling, nice-looking fabrics. I don't want cheetah print. I don't want all this ugly shit. And, honestly... Rebel's clothing line is super disappointing. Like, I'm just scrolling through it right now, and I see a peplum top. Are you kidding me? Can we stop designing clothes that try and make fat women hide their bodies and instead, like, show them off? Celebrate them? Like, fuck flattering. Like, I don't want this shit. Anyway, this is Rebel Wilson's clothing line, and this has been Rebel Wilson's update. So, Rebel... If you're listening, please design clothes that, you know, don't look like everything Pennington's has tried to sell us fat girls since the beginning. Try something new. Try some nice stuff. 
try some linen, try some nice fabrics, and you know what? Maybe I won't shit on it so hard. And also, can you please tell me if you were actually watching a polo match? And if you were, can you also please tell me if that's boring or entertaining? I'm very curious. This has been Where in the World is Rebel Wilson. One thing I will give Rebel and her fashion line is that on the Instagram, there's actually fat models modeling the clothes. And I'm not talking about like your average plus size catalog model that's like flat belly, curvy hips, like C-cup boobs, narrow shoulders, like average butt. I'm talking about models that are like actually visibly fat. Like you can see a belly, you can see like different types of fat bodies represented. So like there are women with like big bellies and no boobs. There are women with big bellies, big butts, big boobs, big hips. There are women with like wide shoulders, like fat arms and bellies and butts and like all sorts of like myths and ma- like mix and matches of all those types of things that are so wonderful and beautiful. And I'm so happy to see them on models modeling plus size clothes because that's not something that happens very often. Let's flash back to a few years ago when there was that clothing company that was selling leggings for plus size women that just had like two skinny models in one of the legs. Um, I'll see if I can find a picture of it and I'll post on the social media because um, it is fucking wild. <sighs> but let's get into it. Oh, I just got a notification from OkCupid. Apparently it's rush hour in OKC. That means more people to connect with right now. Um, I'm all right. Okay, Cupid, but thank you for the push notification. All right, let's get into it. Let's start talking about my first problematic fave. Now I have watched the Mindy project from beginning to end probably about four times now. I love the Mindy project and I love, uh, Mindy Lahiri as a character. And I also really love Mindy calling. Um, So if you don't know who Mindy Colling is, she is an actress, a comedian, and a writer. She played Kelly on The Office, which I also love The Office. And not only did she play Kelly, she was also a writer, an executive producer, and occasionally a director on The Office. So basically, she just, like, took it over for the last season. Like, it's amazing. And then after The Office, she wrote The Mindy Project, um, but she is so cool. She's also an author and she wrote two books, which I, I really liked them both. Um, she wrote two New York times, bestselling memoirs. One titled is everyone hanging out without me and other concerns, which came out in 2011 and why not me, which came out in 2015. Um, I really like her. Um, I think Minnie calling is super cool in terms of just like how much work she's done. And just, like, how hard she's worked and, like, everything she's succeeded in, especially as, like, a woman of color in Hollywood and a woman of color that's not skinny in Hollywood. Um, A little bit more on that in a second. But, uh, yeah, I think that's super cool. But let's flash forward to uh, The Mindy Project, which is the TV show she wrote, produced, directed, all those good things. um, And her character in it, Mindy Lahiri. So Mindy is the main character in the Mindy Project. I know it's really confusing because her name is, like, her name is Mindy, and then she plays a character named Mindy, and I think they're, like, 
related but not related. Like one of those things where you kind of like write something about yourself, but you're like, that's not really about me. You know what I mean? Um, but Mindy Lahiri and the Mindy Project. Um, so a little like synopsis of the Mindy Project. Basically, the Mindy Project is about a 30-something OBGYN who is living, loving, and dating in New York City. And she is funny and is quirky and not in all the terrible sense of the word quirky. Um, because I honestly think that only women of color, or I think only people of color can be quirky in a good way. I think white quirky people need to do some self-crit. Um, but, ugh. Anyway, she's this, like, really complicated character because she's not skinny. Like, she's a curvy woman, and that constantly comes up in the TV show, and that's something that... I struggle with watching this TV show is how much attention is paid to Mindy's body. And there are so many jokes about her being fat. There are so many jokes she makes about herself being fat. And it's never like in a way that's um, like pointing out fatness in a funny way. And I know you're probably like listening to me say this and you're like, wait, Sam, are you talking about fat jokes? And yeah, I am talking about fat jokes because I think there are some genuinely funny fat jokes. Um, But I think those come from fat people who are making those jokes. And I mean, all bodies are funny. Um, We all have funny things about our bodies. Like our bodies do weird and funny things. And fatness is no different. There are some funny things about fatness. And I think it's really important and really amazing when comedians and writers can create a fat joke. So talk about their body in a way that's not self-deprecating and in a way that's not necessarily negative. Um, but that doesn't happen in the Mindy Project. Mindy Lahiri um, is definitely a character that struggles with the size of her body. And I think you can also look at it as a commentary on women's bodies and how much they're policed in general especially in terms of fatness and the room they take up. But a lot of the jokes about Mindy is that she's bigger than the other women in the TV show, literally. And, like, she's seen as, like, slobby. Like, she's kind of messy in terms of, like, physically messy. Like, her apartment's messy. Like, there's a lot of jokes about that. Um, She's messy in her life, like, she's not put together, she's, like, struggling a bit to, like, get her shit together, Um, and she, like, loves food. Like, there are so many jokes about how much she loves to eat, which, like, on one hand, I'm like, that's super cool, because, like, you never see TV shows really, I guess besides Gilmore Girls, but a little, we'll get to that later, but you, like, never see TV shows where, like, the main character, if, if it's a woman, like loves food like you only just see like women in tv shows like eat a bite of lettuce I'm like I cannot possibly eat anymore I'm so full um so it's like nice on one hand to see a tv show with a female character oh yes I said female with a woman lead um that like loves food loves junk food just like pounds candy and cake and all this shit um but on the other hand when we compile it with all of these problematic um conversations around her body about how she's fat etc etc it becomes something that could be really good and become something that's like really bad so if we kind of lay it all out we have this really cool character 
that is like funny like she's a doctor she works really hard she's like doing all these things and then like she is also just like constantly talking about fat in a negative way she's like obsessed with food and that's like seen as like something that's like negative in the show it's funny but it's funny not in the sense that like her liking food is the joke the joke is that she's like a quote-unquote fat woman that likes food and so that's something I really struggle with with her character um and another thing that like just just drives me bonkers with this show and that makes me really really mad um is that like a lot of the men she dates are like pretty attractive shout out pastor casey um if you remember from episode one and the running joke about youth pastors so um anders holmes plays pastor casey who is one of mindy's boyfriends in the mindy project and i think he's super hot Lindsay, remember Lindsay Stewart, the guest from episode one, my roommate, my best friend, thinks that he's ugly or like looks like nothing. Um, That episode also spawned a lot of people sending me pictures of bland white men saying he looked like he looks like a youth pastor and I should be interested in him. Also spawned a lot of jokes from my friends in everyday life when we pass a bland man. Um, saying that he looks like a youth pastor and I should date him. Also, uh, has had, um, has caused a lot of people to send me messages about people they think have youth pastor vibes. So, um, I just need to set the record straight. I don't have a youth pastor kink. That was a joke. I, um, I don't, like, I don't go out of my way to date youth pastors. Like, I've never wanted to date a youth pastor. I, um, I don't care if your friend's a youth pastor. I'm not interested. Like, I don't want to date a white youth pastor. So, um, yeah. I mean, like, keep sending me messages about them and, like, keep sending me photos. It's really funny. But I just want the world to know I don't want to date a youth pastor. I'll say it again, just for the people in the back. I don't want to date a youth pastor. Is that clear now? Okay, cool. Anyway, back to the Mindy Project. Um, All the men she dates all have something to say about her body. And it's always in the context of like, they're super hot and they're dating down when they're dating her. And it just, like, on one hand, I get it. Like, I don't think the media we consume always needs to be positive in terms of, like, I don't think the media we consume always has to have the message we want it to have. Because people's lives are complex. How people view themselves is complex. Um, Our relationships to other people are super complex. And I've definitely had that where I've been dating somebody or into somebody and just, like, assumed they were dating down because they're dating me and I'm fat and like I I kind of appreciate seeing that thought process in a TV show with a character that's like not necessarily skinny and seeing like 
those kind of jokes about it. But on the other hand, it's really frustrating to like never really see it, um, like see anything come of it, like nothing about how she's like, um, how she, how she like isn't that thing, how they're not dating down. And like Mindy Lahiri's confidence in the show is like through the roof and I love it, but it's also just like, I feel like it's just like being beaten out of her at every turn. And in a way, like you can see it as like, that's literally what it's like to be a fat woman. That's like, that's what it's like to be a woman. That's what it's like to be a woman of color is that like, no matter how competent you are, no matter how much work you've done on yourself, no matter how much you've learned to love yourself, love your body, love who you are, you are constantly up against a society that says you're ugly, you're not worth it, that there's someone more beautiful than you out there. And this is especially, especially, especially true for fat women um, and especially, especially, especially true for black indigenous women of color. Like, these things have intersections and I know I haven't got to it yet to where I've really talked about the intersections of fatness and race. Trust me, that episode is coming up. Um, and like, as an indigenous woman, I think about this a lot, like how, in what ways do these things play together? And obviously fat women of any ethnicity of any race struggle in this world, but also, fat women of color, fat black women, fat, fat indigenous women, fat brown women have another layer they have to deal with, like that we have to struggle with in terms of beauty standards and beauty ideals. So, I mean, I have a lot of privilege as like a white coat indigenous woman. So I just like really want to acknowledge that right now, whereas like visible darker skinned fat women have to deal with a society that is telling them that not only are their bodies not as beautiful as thin women, not like they're told that their bodies are not as beautiful as thin white women. And that is a whole other layer. And um, I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged. And I think that's something that you can definitely see and think about when you're watching the Mindy Project as well, because we have a character that's not white. Um, we have a woman of color that's the lead character and she's not thin. And there's ways that the, that um, plays out in the TV show that don't necessarily name it. Um, and I think a huge thing is her confidence. And so throughout all of this, she is a very confident character. She's a very confident lead woman, but she's constantly dealing with men and people saying that she's ugly in a way that is like centering her ugliness, which I'm doing air quotations, on her perceived fatness, which isn't okay, which I think is one of the biggest problematic parts of this TV show is that she is never said to be ugly. Like, like there's no one like pointing at her being like, your face is ugly. Her ugliness is always centered on her perceived fatness by the men she's dating, her friends, other characters, and herself. And um, I think that's a huge reason why it's she's one of my problematic faves. And... It's just so complicated because on the other hand, that's one of the reasons why I love this show so much is because you can watch it and there are so many parts where it's like kind of relatable. Um, one part, like one thing I think is really funny is that she only dates white men for the most part, 
which like isn't funny haha it's like funny in a way that like almost hurts um and I've talked about this a lot with my friends and with other people about like you're kind of oh like you're raised to always chase a white partner um if you're not white um and that's just again beauty standards and expected respectability and all this stuff um and her just self-admittance of that in the tv show I think is really funny um and is done in a way that I think is something to look to look to and to look for there are other problematic parts of this tv show that like I could go on for hours um but I think Mindy is one of my problematic phase because her character is actually quite complex and I think people who watch the show and don't see her character as complex and maybe just see her character as one-sided or as annoying are probably sexist and probably racist um and I'm not like saying that in a joking way um at all like I honestly think if you watch the Mindy Project and you think that Mindy Lahiri's character is one-dimensional that she doesn't develop and all these things that like she's annoying um, you literally are probably racist and sexist because I think a lot of what she grapples with, it has a lot to do with her womanhood and with her body, um, and with her race. And I think, um, if you don't see that, you don't take that away, then you need to do some self-reflection. But on the other hand, I think that a lot of the ways that these things are dealt with in the TV show are super problematic and super complicated. Um, Yeah. So she's definitely a problematic fave. I mean, I still love the Mindy Project. I watch it so much. So, so much. I can like quote entire episodes for you, but there are definitely some things that uh, could be better in that TV show for sure. And one of those things is definitely how fatness is like is dealt with. Um, when I was doing promo for this episode, I used a screen cap where she's like sitting at her desk and she is saying to her coworker, she's like, I'm not overweight, I'm chubby or something like that. And it's just like really just cements in your brain that just like how much fatness is stigmatized in this TV show. Um, would I recommend the Mindy Project? Uh, yeah, I would recommend watching it. Um, I wouldn't recommend watching it for some sort of like amazing self-discovery or some like amazing content. Um, but I would watch it because it's funny. It's written really, really well. Like aside from like how shitty some of the jokes are, like it's written extraordinarily well. Um... There are some really shining parts in it that you're, like, super, that are super great. Like, this episode, I want to say it's in the sixth season, where, like, Mindy's up for this promotion, and she's, like, up against a white man, and, like, her coworker, who's, like, a white guy, like, is basically a shoo-in for this, um, for this position, this, like, leadership position in the hospital, and her and another woman of color are working super hard and like doing all these things and like stressing about this interview. And so she like goes to bed and she's like, I really wish I was a white man. And then she wakes up the next morning in a white man's body and like lives her day like so easy. And it is like, it's actually a pretty good episode. It's like super heavy handed. Like 
made with a cement hen, but I think it's a really funny episode and really good. Um, let me know what you think about the mini project. Like, send me an Insta DM at Heavy Content Cast. Tweet me at Heavy Podcast. Let me know what you think of the Mindy Project. Um, I know a lot of people love it. I know a lot of people hate it. Um, I really want to know what you think about it. So that's what I think about it. And that's why I think Mindy is one of my problematic faves. I'm sure this TV show will come up again and again and again throughout this podcast. Um, but I think I'm going to leave it there. Send me what you think about Mindy. Uh, yeah. So we are going to go into another segment called horrible and potentially fatal diet tip of the day okay so it's horrible and potentially fatal diet tip of the day which again if you're new around here is a segment where i generally look at women's world or something else that gives very terrible diet tips, all linked to losing a lot of weight really quickly. Um, They're often horrific and funny, and I like to do this segment so we can laugh through the tears. Um, Yeah. Today, I don't have a diet tip from Women's World, but I stumbled upon this thing called weight loss grants. Yeah, let it sink in for a second. So weight loss grants is this granting program put together by the Oral Aesthetic Advocacy Group, or OAAG, which is a research information and funding organization founded in 2010 by healthcare practitioners and industry professionals. Um, They started by giving cosmetic dentistry grants, which actually is not a bad thing. Um, Not that I'm like, if you have bad teeth, you need them fixed. Some people have like teeth that um really need to be fixed for their health so you know a granting for that because dentistry work is really fucking expensive um but they uh they decided to break out into weight loss grants (sighs) okay this one's actually exhausting like i was reading about it and i was like half laughing and half just like literally feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders so basically how this works is that you submit to them um how you want to lose weight so you submit to them the amount of extra weight weight you wish to lose how long you need to lose your extra weight um the weight loss company or practitioner you wish to use and how much your desired weight loss program will cost and when you wish to begin So this covers things like Weight Watchers, it covers things like um, gym programs, personal trainers, stuff like that. Um, This is actually super upsetting, and I'm like struggling to make jokes about it. So I guess this is going to be a pretty serious segment. Um, This is like actually so unbelievably insulting. Like a granting program for fat people to lose weight. Like, fat people already statistically make less money than thin people and also are statistically less likely to get leadership positions and promotions at work, less likely to get raises, and all in all, there is a huge connection between fatness and um, poverty and fatness and low-income folks. Like, 
this, there's all these things are tied together and having a granting program where people will give you money to lose weight feels like a horrible exploitation of that. And I think the idea for this program is that like, oh, like gyms are expensive or like Weight Watchers are expensive. So like get money from us to do it. But it's all centered on this idea that like you have to lose weight or else, um, which isn't true. Like everything that we've been told about obesity isn't necessarily accurate or true. And so this granting program is actually like really upsetting when really like fat people could use grants for so many other things. Like I could use a grant for literally anything else besides losing weight. Um, it'd be great. Like, do they want to pay my rent? That would be wonderful. But no, you can apply and get like up to $2,000 to like do some sort of like weird crash diet. Um, I'm also super, oh no, my cat's meowing if you hear something weird in the background. Um, I also wonder like if you receiving the money or having to pay it back is contingent on you meeting your weight loss goals, which is another really problematic thing. But this also feels like a way to exploit fat people. Like giving fat folks money to lose weight is like this weird reward program. It's really uncomfortable. I'm also like wondering if we could like <laughs> fuck with it and like apply. Like could I apply and be like, hey, um, I want to lose like 100 pounds. My personal trainer cost $2,000 and they'll be like, yeah, sick, cool, got you and like send me the money and then like I get to keep it even if I don't do it and just like someone lies and pretends they're my personal trainer. Would that work? Um... Otherwise, this is all just, like, literally horrific. Um, I, there are, like, a bunch of, like, success stories, quote-unquote, on it. Um, it's really fucked up. Like, this is actually just super fucked up. And, like, just thinking how expensive things are, like, how expensive food is and, like, Often food that is cheaper is food that's, like, not, like, actually, like, super healthy for you. It's, like, full of preservatives and other things um, that, like, can lead to, like, a lot of unhealthy things that aren't necessarily associated with fatness and, like, healthier foods, like, um, you know, vegetables and all that shit are super expensive, um, which, like, leads to this connection between... Um, obesity, yes, that word, um, which I hate fucking using, and um, poverty or low income, and it's just like, this is the most disgusting thing I've come across in a really long time, and what's worse is that they have radio ads, like, there's literally ads on the radio for this, like, weight loss granting program. <sighs> I just don't even know. It's like, just why? Just, like, literally why do we need this? Um, I feel like they're just gonna get a lot of folks who are poor and feel shitty about themselves, who want to do these things, like, get some extra money, maybe, like, lose a few pounds because they did some, like, horrible crash diet program and then gain it back and feel worse about themselves. Which is what the diet industry is, which is what the weight loss complex is, which is what all these things, it, like, are a part of. And 
I, like, wanted to make this segment funny, but I'm actually just, like, really fucking mad and I, like, can't even see the humor in it. Um, if you have some jokes about the weight loss granting program, send me a message. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Like, send me your jokes about the weight loss granting program or send me your rants about it because, like, I'm really fucking pissed about this and I want to know if other people are mad about this, too. Um, if you see some good in it, um send me a message as well. Um, if you're good in it is like, yay, weight loss, then literally get fucked and don't ever message me. Um, but yeah, that has been a very serious and not so funny. I'm sorry. Um, serious segment (laughs) called horrible and potentially fatal diet tip of the day. Okay, let's talk about our last problematic fave. (sighs) Suki St. James. Now, I fucking love Gilmore Girls. The theme song comes on and I get this like wave of warmness that just like washes over my body. The world turns to sepia tone. Everything is fun and quippy and I'm in heaven. I love Gilmore Girls. Now, I know it's like the whitest show on earth. All right? Like, don't at me. Like, I know. I know. Um, But if you at me telling me that Gilmore Girls is the whitest show on earth and you love Seinfeld, then you can literally just at yourself. Okay? Because I think Seinfeld might be whiter than Gilmore Girls. Um, Anyway. I fucking love Gilmore Girls. And um, if you don't know what Gilmore Girls is about, it's um, from 2000, I think it was when it started. It's about this mother and daughter live, laugh, love in their way through New England or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it's, uh, it's a heartwarming show if you look past a lot of things. Um, but there's one character in it um, called Suki St. James, who's played by... Melissa McCarthy. Like, what? I know. This is before she um, got big, got her role in Bridesmaids, and then said, see you later, stars hollow, and just took off from there. Um, But in the TV show, Melissa McCarthy plays Suki St. James, who is Lorelai Gilmore, or Lauren Graham's character's best friend. Um, And she's a fat woman. She's a visibly fat woman in the series and there is one thing I do love about Gilmore Girls and Suki's character is that her fatness is never a plot point which I think is kind of nice like it's one of those things where she just is like in my life like my fatness is definitely a plot point like how I look has definitely influenced a lot of how my life has been lived and a lot of how a lot of the ways people have treated me Um, but it also isn't my only defining characteristic and I am living a life that isn't just revolving around my fatness, you know? So like, it's not in every conversation I have, it's not the topic of every thought, it's not the topic of every interaction, um, and how Suki's fatness in Gilmore Girls is treated is that it's, it's literally never a topic of conversation, which also might be a good argument that it's erasure. So like erasure of Suki's experiences as a fat woman, 
Um, but it's just like not written in the script and she just like does all these things that are, that just like have nothing to do with her body, which I think is really cool. On the other hand, on the other hand, um, her character is never developed. Like she's a very static one dimensional character who, um, doesn't go through a lot of changes in the TV show. And it's Lorelai and Rory, the two main characters that, um, are the most dynamic and most changing. And they're two thin, conventionally attractive women that like love, like they're one of their main, like main characteristics, um, is that they're, if I sound really weird right now, it's because I'm trying to push my cat off the table. Fuck off, Jughead. Um, one of their like main bits or jokes about their character is that like, um, Lorelai and Rory like love unhealthy food. Um, so like they love candy and like diner food and all this stuff. And like, there's like a lot of running jokes of like, how hey, you're not 500 pounds and all this shit. Um, and let, yeah, like Lorelai's best friend is Suki, who is a fat woman who's also a chef, which is again, like we talked about this in episode one is like another fat character whose life revolves around food. Um, which is a whole other thing again, but Suki, uh, I love her and I hate her, which is why she's my problematic fave. I love her in the sense that in the TV show, and this is like my double Taurus coming out and like me being a soppy romantic, but I do love in the TV show that she falls in love and gets married before Lorelai. Like, she never, um, she just does it. And that's, like, something Lorelai struggles with the entire series is that, like, she wants to get married and fall in love and it's, like, this huge thing and she just, like, can't do it because she's, like, such a complex character. But it happens for Suki and she falls blissfully and easily and simply in love with Jackson, the produce man, and they have babies and, like, live this charming life. And the reason I love that so much is because um, you never see fat women in love simply. You never see fat women fall in love and live their lives and their fatness not be some sort of, uh, some sort of plot. Um, another thing I really liked about Suki and Jackson's relationship um, aside of being so pure is that it's finally a TV show where a fat woman has someone confess their feelings for her in a way that's not weird or uncomfortable or unnatural. And that's something I really appreciated about it. Um, because that doesn't happen. I feel like a lot in TV or in real life, if I'm being honest, I'm a huge supporter of if you have a crush on a fat person, just tell them literally just let them know. Don't be a weirdo about it. Um, if you're struggling with your attraction to a fat person, don't tell them and deal with your shit. Um, that is my little PSA. Thank you for attending my Ted talk. Um, but back to Suki. Um, I guess she's problematic in the sense that she is just such a one dimensional character and she's just another example how, she is a fat best friend to Lorelai and she's one dimensional and she doesn't have a lot of 
dynamic change or plot in her character development. And that's really disappointing because I think the show could have been really, really engaging and impactful if, like, I mean, if they overhauled a lot of things, like, let's be honest. But, like, if they just, like, gave Suki a little much uh, or a little bit more. And Melissa McCarthy is such an amazing actress that, like, that would have been so cool. You know, like, maybe she would have skyrocketed out of Stars Hollow sooner. We don't know that. I think it would have been really awesome. Um, and another thing that I think bothers me about Suki's character is that once she gets with Jackson, that's just, like, her entire life now. Like, her entire character is that she, like, um, is married to Jackson and has babies after they fall in love. And that's really annoying to me. But I guess you just you can't have it all as much as you'd love to have it all you just can't (sighs) Suki I mean I guess she's my problematic fave in the sense that I just really wanted more from her character so maybe she's not so much my problematic fave as Amy Sherman Palladino is (sighs) anyway that's all I really have to say about Suki um I think her constant position as the fat best friend and her one-dimensionalness as a character really just, like, make it complicated to love her fully. But I guess it's not her fault. I'm just gonna blame Amy on this one. Amy, Amy Sherman Palladino, if you're listening, Suki deserved more. She really, really did. Um, that's all I really have for my problematic faves. So next up, we have the brand new segment A Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare. Alright, so welcome to A Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare. I'm so excited for this new segment. Um, I know the one person that voted no for it isn't, so if you're that one person, again, you know who you are. You can just uh, mute me and you know what? I'll get over it. It's fine. But I'm really excited for this segment and I wanted to do it for a couple reasons. One was because I absolutely love skincare and makeup. It's a hobby of mine, if you will, an expensive hobby of mine, but it's a hobby of mine. And the other reason I wanted to do this is because I feel like fat women um, are definitely left out of the beauty industry and I know how like shitty the beauty industry is but they're definitely left out of feeling like like we are worth all this stuff like we feel like we're not represented in these companies especially some of the ones I'm going to talk about today and we're not represented in this entire idea around skincare and taking care of yourself because a huge part of fat phobia and fat stigma is this idea that we don't take care of ourselves and why would we be really caring about what we put on our face when we're fat, you know? And it's like this really bullshit thing. And I definitely want to have a segment that's brought to you by a fat girl that's for other fat girls and fat femmes and other fat folks um, to just talk about skincare and makeup and tell you my take on it. So I hope you're ready for some hot takes um, and let's talk a little bit about it. Um, if you were listening to the theme song and you're like, Hey Sam, that sounds a lot like the instrumental theme for the podcast you play at the end of the show. 
That's because it was. Um, I don't have a theme for this segment yet because Lindsay, my roommate, uh, theme songstress extraordinaire is in like hacker camp. So she is really busy. So I'm hoping that by the next episode, I'll have a theme for this segment. But let's get into it. So like I said, I am dedicated to a multi-step skincare routine. I'm going to take you through mine like really quickly. And I'm also super curious to hear what yours are. So if you ever want to talk skincare, ever want to talk makeup, please don't hesitate to hit up the Insta DMs or find me on Twitter and we can talk about this. So let me know what your skincare regime is or regimen, regimen, regime sounds scary. (laughs) Um, So for mine, when I wake up in the morning, I wash my face with the Corsix a pH balance morning cleanser, which is this gel to foam cleanser that smells like tea tree. It's really gentle. It's pH balanced, so it's not going to dry out your skin. Um, and I follow that up with the Mario Badescu rose water spray as a toner. I like, don't know if the spray really does anything for me besides like make me feel really good. Um, it does add some soothing to the skin with the rose water. I've been having some like weird stuff with rose lately, so I don't know if like. I need to cut it out and just try a different spray or a different toner, Um, but we'll get to that. After that, I use the 5% lactic acid serum from The Ordinary, which can we just like take a second to talk about Desium for everybody who's been following the Desium drama? So Desium is this company that was started um, by this guy, Brandon, I cannot pronounce his last name, and it's a super cool company. It has like a bunch of different lines underneath it, but one of the cult favorites is The Ordinary, which is a really affordable skincare line that basically just gives you unmixed actives. And actives are ingredients that are um, not just like placeholders in your product. So things like acids for exfoliation, moisturizers, retinols, all this stuff. So they give you access to these things for super cheap because often skincare is really really expensive so the ordinary um or desium produces this line called the ordinary everyone freaked out a couple weeks ago because desium's founder he is having he's had it's like some shit's going on like i don't know what's happening with him it's kind of like i've been watching the social media and like he's been having some sort of breakdown which is really sad um and i hope he's like getting the care he needs but a couple weeks ago he like made this really bizarre instivid where he said that he was shutting down desium um for a couple months because of criminal activity it was super bizarre um but Estee Lauder, who has minority stakes in Desium, stepped in and basically got an Ontario judge to forceful, like forcefully remove him from the company. So now he's no longer in the company and they have an interim CEO who, have, who has stepped up. And I also believe the interim CEO is someone that um, Brandon, the old CEO, fired over Facebook or something or over Instagram and then rehired her and now she's like running it. It's a very interesting thing. Anyway, after my Mario Badesco rose water spray, I use the Ordinary Lactic Acid 5% Serum. I just introduced this um, because I've been having some core, core, blah, 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 poor clogging situations that I want to deal with. Um... So lactic acids, BHAs and AHAs, um, are 
really good for a, a chemical exfoliation. So we're really used to hearing things about manual exfoliation. So um, scrubs, like sugar scrubs, walnut scrubs, all those things, all those like really nasty micro beads that are now outlawed, I think, in most places are all examples of uh, mechanical exfoliation. So when you put them on your face and you rub them, they are physically uh, removing your dead skin cells. Chemical exfoliations are acids. So there's AHAs and BHAs that, which I'm not going to get into right now. We can like do that in a different episode, but they work to um, exfoliate your skin through the... Um, through the, my brain is not working right now. Um, work to exfoliate your skin through the renewal of skin cells. So it's more of a chemical and slower exfoliation, but a nicer one in my opinion. All right, so where were we? I use the Ordinary Lactic Acid Serum and then I follow it up with the Ordinary's um, Hyaluronic Acid and Vitamin B Serum, which is like really good for moisturizing. Hyaluronic acid's great. Or I use the Marine Hydration Thing Serum from The Ordinary. Um, every now and then I will do a sheet mask in the morning depending on how much time I have. Um, so after that. And then I will use... This is like... Sometimes I like go a bit further. Um, after I use the Marine Hydration Serum or whatever hydration serum I'm using in the morning, which is after my acid, because after an exfoliant, you want to moisturize. So after that, I use my Benton Snail Bee Serum, which is a combination of snail mucin, which, yes, snail mucin is snail slime, um, and bee venom, which apparently helps with anti-aging. I don't know what that really means. Um, I don't really know what bee venom is, but, um, I put that with some snail slime on my face and then I use my moisturizer. So I just started using the Embroyalise, um, creme de light moisturizer and it's like this really cool product that's like a moisturizer and a primer. It has a little bit of a scent, which I'm usually not super into. Um, but one of, uh, many of the different skincare and beauty people I follow on YouTube uses it. So I was like, oh, I'll buy some. And I got totally ripped off off of Amazon, but that's my own problem. That's what I get for supporting Amazon. Um, but I bought a little tube of it and I've been using it and I love it. So I cannot recommend the Embroyalise moisturizer more. I do that as I follow it up with the Glossier sunscreen and then I start my makeup. So that's just my morning skincare. So to like kind of condense it, it's I wake up, wash my face with a Core 6 pH Balance Cleanser, follow that up with the Mario Badesco Rose Water, the Ordinary 5% Lactic Acid Serum, followed by a moisturizing serum, either the Marine Hydration one or the Hyaluronic and Vitamin B one from the Ordinary, and then I follow that up with the Benton Snail Mucin and Bee Venom. And then I use the Embryolise Creme de Lake Moisturizer. And then finally, as my final step, I use the Glossier Sunscreen. I know, that's a lot. Every now and then I will throw in a face mask. Um, yeah, so that's a lot. That's like my morning. That's why I wake up like two hours before I have to go to work. Speaking of which, I'm recording this before work. So let me just drink a drink of my coffee. 
for my nighttime um for my nighttime routine I'm not gonna do my routine every episode by the way I'm just doing it right now so like just to like give you a little taste of what I do on a daily basis so for my nighttime routine I take my makeup off just with the um Glossier Milky Jelly cleanser um and I follow it up if I have been wearing a lot of makeup that day I will follow it up with the um Core 6 pH balance morning cleanser um, I'm a huge supporter of a double cleanse. So if you're someone who wears a lot of skincare or a lot of makeup on their face, um, double cleanse is super important. So what a double cleanse is, is you go in with a balm or an oil cleanser and then you follow it up with a foaming cleanser. So you wash your face essentially twice. The oil or the balm cleanser will remove all your makeup, dirt, um, and oil from your face, um, without stripping it. So like without making it like really dry and tight feeling. And then you go in with the foaming cleanser just for that extra little wash uh, to get the oil cleanser fully off your face and to make sure there's no more makeup left. Please, 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 if you are someone who wears makeup, do not go to bed with your makeup on. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. Like, even if you don't want to do this, like, wacky and wild, like, 25-step skincare thing before you go to bed, like, just buy some makeup cloths. Like, Sephora has a super good Sephora brand line of makeup cleansing cloths right now that I love. Do yourself a favor, buy one that is um, that will remove your makeup and exfoliate. So I really love the pineapple and papaya ones. They're super great. Um, take your makeup off and just throw on a moisturizer. Like, just do two steps if you don't want to do all these steps. Just don't go to sleep in your makeup. Um, it's going to clog your pores. It's going to, like, seep into any fine lines. It's just like, ugh. There's this news article I read about a month ago about this lady who never took her mascara off and they found like this disgusting clump of old mascara we're talking she didn't take her mascara off for like 25 years but they found like this clump of like old mascara and dead skin cells and eyelashes like underneath her eyelid it was super disgusting take your damn makeup off anyway I removed my makeup with milky jelly and the Corsix pH balance cleanser and then what do I do after that after that, I followed up with my Mario Benescu um, rose water spray, and then I will do. Um, I just introduced this into my skincare routine, so I brought. I bought a really low percentage retinol serum uh, from the Ordinary, and I want to start using retinol. So retinol is a vitamin A derivative, and it's really good for renewing your skin cells and start the. Um, anti-aging process early so I know people are like oh anti-aging blah 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 wrinkles um that's so good for you um if you don't want to use anti-aging things I totally support you in that I do I just like want to keep my skin like I want to look like I'm 50 when I'm 80 you know like I still want to look like I aged but I just like don't want to look like an Edward Curtis picture or something so um shout out to our ancestors um, but that's a joke. You can laugh at it. Please don't at me about that one. Um, but I bought a low percentage retinol. So it's, um, a 2% retinol in squalene with that I use on my face after my toner. And then you're going to recognize some of these good old ones from the morning. I'll go, uh, go in with one of my moisturizing serums and then I follow up with the Benton snail bee, um, I will do a sheet mask before I put on my serums um, after the retinol. Some of my favorite sheet masks are from Tony Moly, which is a South Korean brand. You can literally get them everywhere. You can get them at Urban if you want to drop a dime, or you can just like go to H Mart and get them. They're really good. I order like a million sheet masks off of 
Amazon and other websites and like I could do an entire segment on sheet masks. Maybe that's what I'll do next episode. I'll review some sheet masks for you. I'll go into the sheet mask or if like a clay mask, like a charcoal mask for my pores or something like that. Um, and then I'll do my serums. Then I'll do the Benton snail bee venom. Um, and then after the snail bee venom, I will go in with my moisturizer, which I use the most boring, boring, boring moisturizer on earth. I just use the Avene, um, like nighttime, really bland moisturizer. I don't like a moisturizer that has a lot of scents in it or a lot of ingredients. I just want something that's like get in, get out, do the job. Cause I put so many actives and shit on my face before I put on my moisturizer that I just want my moisturizer to basically be a locking barrier for everything I just put on my face. So yeah, that's my morning and nighttime. Oh, this is being, this is a lot longer than I'd anticipated, but you just got to deal with it. So that's what I do for morning and night. And I just wanted to like lay that foundation. So, you know, kind of what I'm working with and what I do. And I switch it up every now and then I introduce new things, take things away. Um, but I really didn't go into all the face masks I use. Like I could definitely do masking as a separate segment, but there are two brands I wanted to talk about, um, really quickly. Cause they're like two kind of like Instagram hyped brands. And they are two brands that I have been trying out a lot lately. So one is Glossier and one is Milk Makeup. So if you don't know, Glossier was started by Emily Weiss, um, who had this blog called In the Gloss. And then she took um, all the inspiration and everything she'd learned from In the Gloss and being in the industry and started this makeup brand called Glossier, which is mostly an e-commerce store. So you buy everything online. There's one brick and mortar store in LA, which I would love to hit up one day. But Glossier has a selection of makeup um, and skincare. And I have tried most of the products now. Um, and I have to say, I do love it. So Glossier is like one of those like millennial Insta model brands that like is super hyped and people love to hate. And the big thing about Glossier is skincare first, makeup second, which I really appreciate. And if you like are into that super heavy, like, foundation I'm definitely wearing makeup makeup look which is a good look if that's like the look you want to do um then this is probably not the brand for you but I love a good no makeup makeup look and I also love a good dewy finish so if you love a matte finish this is also not the makeup brand for you um so Glossier really um helps me in that regard I will say that their makeup is better than their skincare yeah I know. Um, I find a lot of their skincare is just stuff you can get elsewhere um, for cheaper. So a lot of their serums you can just get from the ordinary. If you just like look at the ingredients of their serums, you can find the active ingredients at the ordinary and just like basically have it for half the price. Their masks are fine. Uh, but again, there's different masks you can get that are cheaper that basically do the same thing. They have a rose water spray. I mean, a rose water spray is a rose water spray. Um, I will say their milky jelly cleanser, which is like this, uh, which is the, my first step and my second, my two step facial cleanser, um, routine is really good. I will give them that. It really does take off your makeup really smoothly and easily. You don't have to do a lot of scrubbing. Um, in terms of their makeup every morning I use their skin tint, 
their Flex Concealer, which their Skin Tint and their Flex Concealer are two products I've seen nowhere else that have worked like these. That The Flex Concealer by Glossier is the best concealer I've ever used. I highly recommend if you want to like drop some money and get a good concealer that lasts a really long time, I would highly recommend the Flex Concealer. It has a waxy finish, so it doesn't cake or like settle into any of your fine lines, anything around your eyes or your nose. Um, so it really sits on top of the skin and it leaves a really nice finish and has a buildable coverage, which I really like. I don't like to put something on and it looks like I'm just like painting myself with skin colored paint. Um, and the skin tint is basically this like weird, really liquidy foundation type product that has no coverage, but it, you put it on and it's like magic. It just like makes your skin look like your skin, but better. Like, gives you a dewy finish. It's really nice. Reduces redness, um, which is two things I love. So, every morning I use the Skin Tint and the um, Stretch Concealer, which I bought them both in light, which I messed up. I should have went a shade darker because it makes me look really pale. Um, so, those are the two I use. And then I follow it up with their cloud paints so their cloud paints are their brushes are their blushes and they are so good like if you buy one product from glossier it should be the cloud paints they are so cool they come in a selection of colors the ones i use are haze and puff um puff is like this really bright like barbie pink and then haze is this more <clears throat> peachy brown color and i love to mix them together um, and I put those on my cheeks and across my nose for like a little bit of a sun-kissed look. And um, so another big product from Glossier is their Boy Brow, which is their eyebrow um, gel. So it's a tinted gel and it's um, waxy. It's more like a pomade for your eyebrows. It's a really good product, but I will say, and this is going to lead me into my second little mini review here. I will say that I love Milk Makeup's Kush Eyebrow Gel more. So, I know. Let's talk a little bit about Milk Makeup now. So, um, if you have any comments or anything about Glossier that you want to share with me, your thoughts, your feelings, your like, whatever you want to share with me about it, um, just hit me up on the Insta and the Twitter and let me know your thoughts and feelings about Glossier. So, this leads me into really quickly finishing off the talking about Milk Makeup. So I recently just got into milk because I'm a sucker for Instagram uh, marketing. They really get me on everything. That's how I got a Coho card is just through Instagram marketing. I am so susceptible to nice packaging and pretty models. Um, oh, which like leads me into before I get into the milk review is that both of these brands, I think, could do a way better job of incorporating fat models into their marketing. So I really like Glossier because they do use a lot of um, a lot of models from different races. So you see a variety of women represented in that regard. But neither of these brands incorporates a lot of queer or trans, or I mean, a lot of the models could be queer. What am I saying? Um, neither of these brands incorporates like outwardly queer, like really visibly, like, you know, they're like, have specific marketing for that queer or trans models in their everyday marketing. I know Milk Makeup did like a Pride like series during Pride this summer, um, but that was also like I felt like a marketing ploy. Like if you're going to 
bringing queer and trans people into your marketing. Don't just bring it in for pride, like bring it in all year round. And also, where are your fat models? There are some really, really super cool fat makeup influencers that would be amazing models for both these brands. And I'm really not seeing that represented. And that's something I hate because I, like I've said, I love, I love Glossier and I do love milk. We're going to get into that. And I love uh, watching videos and makeup tutorials from these companies. And I just want to see fat people represented in them. It would do you good. It would really do you good. Um, anyway, so let's get into milk. So milk like Glossier is a skincare and makeup brand. Um, and it is another brand that I will say the skincare is not as good as the makeup. So what is kind of cool about milk is that, um, they offer a lot of their products in like these tubes. So there's not a lot of like liquidy products. Everything's like a solid in these tubes. So their skincare, their matcha cleanser and toner is in these like weird tubes that are solid. And then they have, um, a cooling water that you can use under your eyes that reduces puffiness and redness that is also in a tube and their watermelon moisturizing serum. Um, I've sampled these and tried the minis and they're all right. Um, I don't really like them. I've also tried their blur stick, which is like their makeup primer that's supposed to like blur your pores and stuff. And I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't know if you're like supposed to use it only with milk products, but I've used it with Glossier and Decium, um, foundations and it was horrific. Ugh, it was so bad. Um, but for milk, I use their lip and cheap tint, um, and their matte bronzer and highlighter and their eyebrow, um, Kush mascara or Kush mascara, Kush eyebrow gel. And their bronzer is an amazing bronzer. It's again, a solid, it's a matte bronzer. Um, it has great visible coverage. It's not too dark or too like orange, which happens when I put on bronzers. I look like, I look like a Cheeto. Um, so this one's really nice. It doesn't do that. Um, their highlighter is beautiful. I really love their highlighter. It is, um, reminiscent, I think of the Glossier Haloscope highlighters without the oil. Um, so the Glossier Haloscope highlighters are highlighter on the outside with like an oil moisturizing core. Um, I find that the Milk Makeup highlighter is like that without the oil core. Because as much as I love a dewy finish, I put so much stuff on my face that I don't need to add any more oil because it all just goes downhill real quick. Um, but I use their matte bronzer, which I love, love, love. Their highlighter, which I love. It's a really beautiful, natural looking highlighter. I don't like powder highlighters. I think they make me look too cakey. They look really good on some people. My skin, they just don't work. Um, and the big product I want to talk about them is their Kush eyebrow gel. So... It is an eyebrow gel that incorporates CBD oil into it um, for moisturizing your brows, I guess. I don't know. It's like a weird marketing thing, but it works really well. And I like it more than the boy brow from Glossier. Um, yeah. So I would recommend both Glossier and Milk Makeup. Um, please let me know what you think of Milk. You just send me a message. Let me know if you've used it. Let me know some of your favorite products. Let me know if you hate it. Um, I would recommend them both if you like a like a natural, no makeup, makeup look. If you're someone who loves like a matte look or um, a look that like obviously you're wearing makeup, then I would say these two brands aren't for you. Um, but if you like that no makeup, makeup look, definitely hit up these brands. Um, I will, like, I just wish they had more fat representation in their... Um, marketing. Like I want to see some fat models for both of them. 
I would love that because I think these are such good brands and they have a lot of really good positives in their marketing um, and their products are really good. And I just want to see them incorporate more fat models because they're also two millennial brands, quote unquote, that like are really marketed geared towards people who are in their late teens to their early thirties. So like my age bracket, um, and we are definitely changing how we think about people's bodies and what we think is like, who should be represented in media and not represented in media and all this stuff. And I think that they are two brands that could definitely incorporate a really cool fat positive messaging in their media or in their marketing and it would be impactful. So I would love to see that from them in terms of their marketing and their representation. The products are great. I mean, I wish they would step up their skincare and maybe drop their price points because they are expensive. Um, Glossier is less expensive than milk makeup. Um, milk makeup, you can find it at Sephora and online. Um, so Glossier is less expensive, um, but they're both like within the same price margin, you know, like they're not like wildly different. Um, but yeah, if you want to, if you feel like tuning yourself and you want to drop some dimes, I would recommend checking them out. Um, yeah, let me know what products you love and don't love, not just from Glossier and Milk, from anything in the world. Let me know what your skincare routine is. Let me know what makeup products you love. Let me know what makeup products or skincare products you hate. I love talking about this stuff. Just send me a message um, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Um, I don't know who uses Facebook anymore, but I have a Facebook page. And yeah, that has been the Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare. I think next episode... I'm going to do a little segment on masking, so sheet mask and face masks. So thank you for bearing with me through episode number one of this one, or segment number one of A Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare. Alright, so that was episode 4 of Heavy Content, Problematic Faves, with the introduction of my new segment, A Fat Girl's Guide to Skincare, where I quickly ran you through, well not so quickly, it was pretty lengthy, um, I ran you through my morning and night routine, talked about some skincare stuff, and did a really mini review of glossy and milk makeup. So, um, I really am happy that I got this episode out. I'm happy that it's going to only be a day late. The next episode will be coming out on October 31st, so good old Halloween. I'm going to do a super special episode featuring some spooky shows, maybe some tropes about fat people in some horror movies. What do you think? Let me know. Um, as always, you can interact with the podcast, I Eat Me, um, on the Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow at Instagram at Heavy Content Cast, at Twitter at Heavy Podcast, and Facebook at Heavy Content. Please remember to like and subscribe um, on Apple, which I think is where you're like supposed to do that stuff. I don't know. Um, but remember to subscribe and rate my podcast. Leave a comment on Apple. Maybe, maybe I'll get sponsored and I can give you free makeup. I'm trying to bribe you now for stars. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, remember to do that. Listen to whoever you get your podcast dealt to you. And I will see you on the next episode on October 31st. Um, thank you for listening.